Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say... What is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today. We had a little bit, a little bit of a bad breakup with our last uh, host. Is that what we, what we yes, were totally fine. Or the, you, I mean, it was it was a network. It was a platform that we joined for a little bit and you know, we were just fully ignored. No one helped us do anything. There was no point even joining with them, long story short. But the one thing that we didn't realize they were doing is they were hosting our podcast on a platform that they were picking up the tab for. Now, now most of these are free, right? But we were apparently on like the Cadillac of uh, podcast hosting platforms. Mm-hmm. And so when we part, parted ways, they were like, all right, you got to offboard your podcast because we ain't paying for this anymore. And I was, that's why I was so confused. I had no idea that it was a hundred bucks a month. So we were like, oh, okay, no problem. We went back to our old platform mm-hmm. doing what we thought would be possible. Everything we made, 30 episodes we made since this summer being with the one platform. Well, the other one retroactively for whatever reason if you used to host there leave to go host somewhere else but then come back they can't or won't I don't know what it is ingest it so that's why 30 episodes are missing right now they exist it's just long story short we know we're missing 30 episodes right now on iTunes Spotify whatever it is they're there they'll be back we're addressing it um we're going to do it this week. So anyways, apologies. We've gotten some notes, emails, social media messages, people losing their mind. You're, it's not you. We're kind of gaslighting you. You know, we, we did this. Welcome to Side Work Podcast. Yeah, that's your host, uh, Brooke Van Poplin. Hey, and that's your other host, Andrea Wallace. You know what? We just we just switch it up easily. That was not planned, introducing each other. I mean, shit's getting weird. We're pretty much like, if you guys see us like on these two screens, I can't tell who is who. <laughs> I think it's because we're getting No, so me ripped. neither. I just... Um, with your neighbor, we're getting so ripped. It's hard. Us, who I love. She's fantastic. Uh, yeah, and the other thing too is Andrea and I point point the laptop cameras at our abs only. We don't really have our faces in screen, right. so it's like, oh my god, who's ripped? You know, 
whose ripped abs are those? It's hard to tell. I know. I have just drawn uh, abs onto my stomach with a Sharpie and I cannot get it to come off my skin. <laughs> nope. There we have it. Um, but yeah, awesome. Welcome, welcome back to another episode of, uh, po- uh <laughs> welcome to another episode of podcast. Welcome to podcast. Here we are doing podcast. Okay. I'm not going to lie. I've been awake for approximately 25 minutes. I, uh, I could not sleep. I was lying nobody in Nobody could be- sleep last night. I also couldn't sleep last night. Okay. What the fuck? 4am staring at the ceiling. I haven't had that in months. I vote new moon energy. Did you feel the earthquake last night? Yes, that too. I did not feel it at all. And you want to know why? It's because I was watching a live stream of a puppy weigh in. <laughs> no, I was, I was, uh, you know, in the midst of text flirting with, you know, probably whoever was awake uh, <laughs> late last night. And I was really hyper-focused on, you know, just myself and the overwhelming urge and need to one day be touched again. Um, and then it just, once again, felt like someone picked up this house, this new place I'm, you know, living in and just dropped it. It was just boom, rattle, 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 rattle. And then every dog in the neighborhood started barking. It was a 3.8. Yeah. 3.8. And it like epicenter was like over by Culver City-ish, which is- Ingle, Inglewood. Yeah. Inglewood um, that area. So I didn't, I didn't feel shit. Brian was also snoring like the okay. last night. So I think if, if the room wasn't already shaken enough from the reverb on the old schnoz, I don't know what was. <laughs> also, I'm so dead inside. I didn't notice it. This quarantine's really <laughs> numbed me out. Because I have no feelings left. Yeah, it was maybe that. But I got a bunch of like, yo, you feel that? Text. <laughs> midnight yep yep yo earth you up hey you up earthquake anyway um by the way in in la earthquake twitter is totally a thing if because you just jump on immediately the minute the earth shakes here in la and then you see like all the weird celebs come out and everyone's like did you feel that hashtag earthquake i feel yeah i have a i have like a hanging uh pot next to my bed when we had the big earthquakes last year oh yeah girl Sorry, um, I was just showing to... you I'm I'm letting the armpit hair go. Oh yeah, it's fine. Let that armpit hair roll. Or we like to call them, I like to call them underarms, actually, as to be like a little less uh I wouldn't say crude because I don't care what anybody calls it. Just in the business I'm in, we say underarms. Underarm. We say oh, yeah. we say tweeze. We don't say pluck. We uh I don't know. There's all sorts of less We offensive. say remove, not tear. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, I'll think of more funny things, but um, my brain broke. Um, Okay. (laughs) It got rattled by that 3.8 last night. So headlines, huh? We have, there's a lot to talk about. Oh God. Hey, it's amazing in the time span of one week, how much continues to go wrong. (laughs) In a weird turn of events, let's talk about Shake Shack. Yeah, that at first, so, f- okay, yep. You know what? I don't like their French fries. There, I said it. <laughs> so, everybody knows that the stimulus package uh, 
was doled out in an unfair fashion for small businesses and people who are actually major corporations got a bunch of small business financial help from the government, which I love. <laughs> right. So it's been like, I don't know, all the need to name all the names. Specifically, Shake Shack gave back the money that they received from the government. And I think we tremendously got called on our shit. And I guess we should do the right thing since, right? That they, right. Because yeah, Brian sent that article to share it. And they were acting more like, oh, whoops, did we fill out these forms? We were confused. We didn't mean to ask for $10 million and get it. Do you think this is like the equivalent of like, uh, the story we had of the person who like found like the like five thousand dollars of rolled up money like on the floor and like did the right thing. No, it's no, totally it's not different. like that at all. Nope. Uh, who else? Ruth's Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Another. Yeah. They, just, they didn't give it back, did they? No. No, they didn't give it back. I'm just saying, like, just just naming these options. Just these monster, monster companies, which we now you know it's more and more clear. Um, that a lot of places like this, listen, it's not going to be hard to do the math that GOP senators and congressmen um, absolutely are either silent partners, owners, have stock options in the shit. It's not, you know, listen, as this goes on, please be trigger, hashtag trigger warned. And I don't think any of you are really going to be offended. I'm going to be railing against the GOP and Trump. I mean, it's not like that's any surprise. You've heard it so far on this podcast, but like now it's getting real personal with the restaurant industry. And I guarantee that there are stock options and silent owner, you know, ownership and partners involved oh, with like lobbyists for huge corporations. That's why you have yes. like CEOs and McDonald's on this board to like help reopen restaurants. I mean, it's very transparent what's happening. Other headlines that we've got you know, there's so much out there that people are doing for the good. You know, one thing I read about um, specifically is like what's happening to reservation apps. Okay. So you've got like your open table, your talk, your resi, all these different things, you know, specifically talking about, um, and this is an Eater article, um, the folks that own Bells in Los Alamos, which is this really just so such a great little French restaurant that I've been to before in um, Santa Inez wine country, they've used Talk Forever. Mm-hmm. Like they specifically, they don't even have a phone because that's how busy and nice it is, and they they don't even have to like deal with talking to people. They always just use this reservation app. Now Talk like pretty much has reformatted for to go. You know, like they didn't even have to ask. Talk was like here, here, here's how you do it. Um, open tables doing this thing for restaurants and who are, who have turned into grocers and certain grocery stores where you can book your fucking time that you go in and shop. Nice. Yeah. Because I've seen several iterations of how this works. You know, it just depends how, it just depends how the particular business is figuring it out. Like we've yeah. heard over and over again, there is no one size fits all. Everyone is trying it this way this week. Then they might hear about open table, switch to it next week, you know, and streamline it. Because one of the places I go to is just like, uh, just um, between these hours is when you can park and show up and like yell out your car and we'll figure out which one is you. Like I, a secret honk that you have I know. To and I, like, I went to another place last week and I mean, they were so no contact. My shit on a busy street was sitting just inside the the open door in a bag with my name on it. They didn't come to greet me. 
and I was like, I'm taking my food now. Like anyone could have taken it. Yeah. I'm like, this system is kind of fucked. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't, part of me is like, wow, how cool. And I see it for like a restaurant who definitely is a grocery now, how booking at your times and staggering mm-hmm. is really great. And, but then I really wonder about grocery stores, you know what I mean? And that for people who have like scheduled the whole, their whole day to go to the store and they don't know that people have fucking reservations to get into the grocery store. That's a, it's, it's elitism in an interesting way, but uh, I to don't get know. into an actual grocery store or a restaurant version of, of, know, some of the them grocery actual, store. There's, there's both. Okay. Using it. So I can, maybe if it's like, um, something like a, like a McCall's, like a, like a smaller neighborhood market. Mm-hmm specifically especially a lot of like grocers in new york or in bigger cities that are tiny with tiny aisles like you know yes which already give well, me you know spin. what yeah it, sorry any t- oh my god the thought of going into a new york bodega right now mm-hmm. is there is no room you can you barely you just you bump into the food the whole time you're in totally. there like Absolutely. an errant elbow will take out a whole aisle of dried boxes of pasta, oh, yeah. you know? Oh my God. So I just, I do think that if it's an understanding and that everybody's kind of on the same page with it, that, and then like, and that's the way that they can like get the flow going. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Great. But that's just not how it usually works. That's not how information is dispersed. It's always usually top of the food chain, the more informed, the more connected here about the best ways to do it. And, right. you know, and then um, you've got other people who aren't tech savvy still having to do things the most dangerous and least efficient way, which sucks, which usually always trickles down to poorer communities, um, people who just don't have really? access. And yeah. And yeah. I think it, yeah, yeah. I, um, so Resi is also hopping on on this bandwagon as well but they haven't they've started a podcast called weekly specials brooke we have competition no um we happily welcome more service industry podcasts but they got neil patrick fucking harris on their first episode so i don't know <laughs> do we have to step our game are up? they funny um it's a lot of like it's kind of like the john krasinski like some good news but specifically geared toward the restaurant industry so it is actually great in that you know if you want to go check it out there's really great headlines if you guys no don't check it out i'm kidding i'm kidding (laughs) about what other things it's basically like the headlines we talk about but they just talk they just Mm -hmm. do that for like an hour you know and then they they get a mega famous person. And then which... Neil Ch- Patrick Harris like teaches you how to do magic card tricks. All right, guys. Well, I think it's time Ooh. for, for a server submitted stories. So we are returning to our Chicago four a.m. saga sent in by Nicole. And uh, let's uh, let's let's get back in. Last week I was painting a bit of a picture of what the bar was like, so I'm going to um, read a little bit more to uh, once again set the scene. All right, so this is uh, of course a not named bar because it's highly illegal everything that happened there. <laughs> um, so to ex- further explain um, what this place was like. All right. So she said there was an alley behind the bar dutifully named Dick Alley for two reasons. (laughs) If we couldn't find our bar back, it was usually because he was fucking some poor girl behind the dumpster. Whoa. 
I know. Get it, busboy. Yeah. If we, and if the guys didn't want to walk down the stairs of death to the bathroom, they would step out the back door and pee in the alley. Gross. Yeah. So she's like, so if you unknowingly turned into that alley at 3 a.m., someone was probably going to unintentionally flash you some dick. Well, also, I'm going to start calling my lady parts dick alley now. Yes. And it's an empty, empty, scary alley that no one goes down. <laughs> Uh, this is amazing too. The after hours at this place were epic. 4 a.m. bars in Chicago are open until 5 a.m. on Saturdays. The, the bar definitely saw a decline in its final years, but when I started there, it wasn't uncommon to have a line down the block to get in at 2 a.m. Usually took us at least two hours to clean up after we'd close. We were allowed to drink whatever and as much as we'd like, so long as it was paid for and our drawer was not off by more than $2.50 in either direction. <laughs> specific number. If it was under, right? If yeah. it was under, you're bad at making change. If it was over, you were probably stealing and lost track. We were always allowed to have after hours. That is, employees and anyone the employers were sleeping with. The rule was we had to be out by the time the cleaning crew arrived at 10 a.m. Oh, Christ. Oh, my God. Good Lord. She says we'd walk out like slutty vampires in our tiny shorts and ripped fishnets to wave goodnight to all the beautiful people on their way to church. <laughs> Which I know the slutty vampire look when you would stay out on a Saturday night until well into church hours on Sunday morning. Ooh. And I'd be walking down the streets of Park Slope in Brooklyn with like little kids and strollers. Be like, don't look at me. You'll catch what I have. <laughs> don't look me in the eyes. I'm a gypsy and I can give you, I can curse you with my future. <laughs> um, so that's a little more about Dick Alley and the after hours. This place sounds... Um, like, like a place where I would have died, probably, if I had worked there. Okay, so now remember, the owners of this bar were 20-something-year-old cops, lawyers, and security guards, right? So this just sounds crooked as fuck. All right, so back in. There was a register that sat in the kitchen window for food tickets only. This register faced out of the wall and so could be accessed by anyone walking by. It never had cash in it. It was, however, also rigged like the others. Rigging the register in such a way to cheat the man was a very time-consuming task. On this particular night, my would-be boss had just finished fixing the register and saw on the cameras some clown trying to break into it after the kitchen was closed. Furious, he comes storming up the stairs from the basement and cuffs the guy. I'm sorry, did we ever have manager with handcuffs that we knew about? Probably not. As he's dragging him back down the stairs to the bar office in a rage, he grabs a baseball bat that was always in that stairwell. Even when I worked there, on his way down, his brother meets him on his way up, stops him, and goes, what are you doing? Brother number one says, this motherfucker was trying to steal from me, and now I'm going to break his hands. Whoa. <laughs> brother number two goes, oh, 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 don't do that. Just break his thumbs. Then he can't use his hands anyway. Oh, Jesus brother one hesitates for a moment while he considers this shrugs in agreement turns to the guy and breaks both of his thumbs oh my god as you can imagine this is a time before camera phones when you did not fuck with certain people in chicago <laughs> uh i 
promise more of these stories continue to be lighthearted. I just, you know, want to let you know what we're dealing with here in Chicago in the days before cell phones. You can break people's thumbs. <laughs> you did say the name of the bar, which we're not supposed to say. But I will say when I Googled th- that name and, and I was about to put Chicago, it was, th- it was <laughs> the name of the bar plus thumb, which is a type of injury you can get on your fucking thumb. Oh my God. Oh my God. And it's an X-ray of a broken thumb. It's the the bone is actually uh, sheared away from the joint. Like, like, like Scottish foul hunters, as well as like volleyball players, this can happen too. So I'm just saying. Oh my God. Wait, so this wasn't even, okay, that's wild. I thought you meant, because I was like, wow, I thought it was in the days before camera phones and someone basically filed a lawsuit, like here's an x-ray of my broken thumbs and the bar that did it to me. This is old. This is, it could also happen if you're like, um, you have, you're a skier and you grasp poles all the time. And I think if you're always like pushing down on the inner part of your thumb, that can happen. I love how in tune and in sync everything is right now with the universe and the world. This is too good, Brooke. Too good. It only means good things. I'm going to buy a lottery Earthquakes. Ticket. I'm going to leave my house and go buy a bunch of lottery tickets out in public right now. Woo, woo, woo. Awesome. Well, hey, guys, we, we definitely, I, I mean, I know it's a weird time. Uh, I know a lot of you aren't working but we are still asking uh remember and dredge up some great stories talk to some old co-workers and email them in obviously we've got a lot of this fun stuff to keep reading but we can mix it up and would still like to hear from you so uh don't be lazy be amazy and send us some stories please i mean Hunt- huntington beach yesterday they have they're they're wearing the masks and they have signs that say covid19 is a lie and wearing masks with the sign. I, I don't know how much stupider. It's like, I don't even get the joy out of calling them stupid anymore. I just, no, it's it's like, it's concerning. Like, it is it's, concerning. it's honestly concerning more than it is like, you dum-dums. It's like, what has happened? I feel like, a, I feel like, a, like a, I'm, in a, I'm in a prison cell and uh, my captor keeps coming in to torture me, but he trips over this one this one thing in the doorway every day. Every day he trips over it and falls on his face. And he doesn't learn and he's just stupid. And I'm mad. I'm in agony. And I don't even like And you're like, this fucking guy catching this You're so fucking dumb. I can't even I don't even know if there's an emotion for this. Well, I guess on that note, since we are recording, uh, we should probably introduce our guest this week, who is uh, our dear friend Nick Vatterat is joining us from, is this in Italy? He appears to be in Italy. I I don't know if you guys know this, I'm a Zoom comic now. Uh-huh. I, it, I made fun of it for the uh, I made fun of it for, for all up until uh, this week, and then this week I just said, you know what? I'm not even. I'm never returning to the stage. I'm only doing Zoom comedy. <laughs> I do a lot of goofy backgrounds. It's mostly just goofy backgrounds. Yeah, yeah. I you you say goofy, I say like nostalgic and beautiful, like weathered Italy at its finest. <laughs> I have I have I have set up backgrounds and punchline backgrounds. This is a setup. <laughs> I really was thinking it would be fun to start putting like if you can find like backgrounds of your favorite bars and restaurants 
and have that be the background that you're zooming with. Chilies, chilies all day, baby. I, I want one of those fun walls with with the whimsical tuba nailed nailed to it. Now, and baseball, is, is Chili's one of those small businesses that got a bailout fund? <laughs> is yeah, you could just take a picture of a garbage uh, pile and then put that in your TGI Fridays. There you go. <laughs> I will say, I, I don't know how TG, TGI Fridays, this is the time for them to be running with this. Every day is Friday. It is, yeah. it, 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 there has not been a time where it's more Friday than now. Everything is weird now. I was thinking about like my stand-up the other day. I was looking at it. And I was just like, you ever see an old old movie and you're like, well, why don't... It was, and the movie was shot before cell phones and you're just the whole time, you're like, why didn't they just call each other? Why, why didn't they just like, you know... <laughs> you'd get out their cell phone. And I think like the, the, the future now is like the stand-up premises. You're going to talk about these things. Like, how do you talk about your bit at the restaurant without people being like, well, wait, but aren't people supposed to be six feet apart? And wasn't your waiter wearing a mask? And did you have disposable? Why, why, why do they have to clean the, me- uh, the menu? That they're disposable now. So I, I you know, like everything. It's not realistic. Yeah, I get <laughs> yeah. it. Um, and maybe you know maybe it'll be like a thing where like an et where they went back and took guns out of the agent's hands and replaced them with cell phones maybe any old <laughs> movie where people are at a restaurant holding a menu will just have to replace with a mask like who you know maybe these are things that are gonna have to be done <laughs> yeah i've gotten to the point where just enjoying a tv show i'm like oh you are talking so close to their face like i'm watching high drama and like i can't even like I'm like don't kiss them why are you kissing oh my god they're (laughs) hugging like I'm losing my mind like my brain is warped I had two (laughs) nights in a row of supply run uh dreams so and my grocery list and they were really really realistic and then I got really mad that my family was forced to go to my nephew's birthday party because my aunt who's a little bit of more of like the conservative believes Trump like this is a dream this isn't something that happened but I was like this probably would in my family and so we were screaming about being forced to go to a birthday party and all put on masks and gloves and I I'm like what like well we're all basically having trauma dreams is what they're doing the research shows is that everyone's kind of traumatized and so your dreams are reflecting that right now you know what that means for me is I've been having a lot of weight mares actually like a mm. lot of, you know, yeah. you had those, right, Nick? You know the oh, nightmare. Yeah. I haven't had them for years, though. Um, I, even now, I stopped having. I, I feel like the part of the weight, the weight mare is, is the repetition of it. Yes. I don't have like these repetition cycles in my works now. You know, it's a different sort of stress and anxieties and stuff. But I always felt like it was just doing that same thing over and over and over with not waiting tables right now. Whenever I took a break from it, I was never, I never had them. But yeah, I, when I had them, I'd wake up in the middle of the night and be like, I never gave her her salsa. Yeah, totally. <laughs> this is a Let's talk about let's talk about your history as a as a server and in the service industry, Nick. When did you start? Well, I think that's like you know that's a crazy thing. I I am so uh, I feel very fortunate to have the job that I have right now because it is mm-hmm. the first time in my life that if if I didn't have this job, I'd be so 
screwed like everybody else, you know? Uh, I'm normally the person screwed, so it's nice to not be so screwed for once. Uh, Congrats, you know? I've had this job for three years, but before that, you know, stand-up comedy, which is not a thing right now. And then before that, like, I don't know, it feels like two decades of waiting tables before that, which I would not have been able to do. I waited tables at college. I worked at, uh, see, Chevy's. Chevy's Fresh Mex. That's where I. That's where I started. Uh, that was always. A, I could not get a job waiting tables because you needed experience. And then one day I just lied <laughs> about my experience, and then that's how I got in. All so right. interesting. Uh, they, they should teach you that in school. Um, but uh, yeah, I waited. I, t- I waited. So I waited like it's so. I mean, I can't, I should sit down and list all my restaurants at some point. <laughs> It's, I, it's pretty I went, fun. Yeah, I went and I did it uh, actually several years ago because I've, I've been trying to put together a book proposal about like all my menial employment, you know, because yeah. whatever. And like to sit down, I was like, well, that's 26 restaurants. Um, <laughs> and it's like five different coffee shops, um, yeah. cafes. You know, I'm like, I, I literally, when I, when I looked at all of my part-time jobs, it's like the list was over 50 and people don't understand when you're like a gig sort of worker. Cause I didn't, I didn't get a degree or whatever. I just, I just wanted to start working. Um, and then other people who are like, well, I went to college and then I started the job that I'm going to have forever. So I had one job and I'm like, wow, I've had 53 <laughs> And also, and that person's also like, and can I get uh, another mimosa? And I'm also not going to tip you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh man, the, the I, I know we're going to touch on a lot of this stuff, but you know, we we do an episode, we do a podcast, Get Rich Nick. I know. Oh yeah, I was going to say it's it's Nick from Get Rich Nick, which get y'all Rich should Nick, not to be confused to- with Nick from Get Rich Nick, yeah. <laughs> the other Nick. <laughs> We're talking to this Nick. Well, Nick Turner did the instant. We did an Instacart episode. Each each week we do a different hustle, or we try to we either bet on gambling or give plasma, or, but we you know do a lot of gig, gig economy stuff. And uh, we just did an episode about the Instacart. Nick Turner went and did Instacart, and you know went to the grocery store, did all that stuff, and then uh, that whole thing. You know, we found out about this thing where people are putting. You can put a tip on yes, it. Yes, right that says what you're going to get. And then they they have like 12 days to change the tip if they want. So they're putting right. these giant tips on for people as incentive. It, it, it reminds me of the table that was always like, uh, hey, if you take care of us, we're gonna tip you really big. Any any table that had ever like pre-promised a tip before the, ne- never. Pieces of shit, always every time. <laughs> Fuck off. That's the thing is especially, especially you are a horrible human filled with turds. Um, if you are baiting someone, I mean, you're baiting them by putting that tip on there. It's, it is literally like the carrot on the stick, you know, like choose my house over everyone else. And then you're going to bring the groceries and then I'm going to take away the tip after you leave already. You're horrible, horrible human. And now in this time and place, when they are risking their safety every time they're going in public or coming in contact, like, it's just, we're watching people who are already monsters become even more of a monster because why not lean into your evil nature? And we were tweeting about like ban Instacart. The more I looked into it um, too, like Instacart's just a terrible, terrible company. And a few years ago, the Silicon Bros, you know, who made this 
app and who are worth billions, they were using the tips that the shoppers earned on top of it to pad their wages so they could give yeah. them less money. And then they found out and they, cause we're going to talk about striking mm -hmm. union walkouts, all this stuff. And Instacart's like a great place to start, but a bunch of the workers um, striked and, and, and sat out on that. And because Instacart for the most part is like, well, you know, now that the customers know we're doing that and they're pissed at us, they're like, well, we don't want customers to be pissed. Like fuck our employees. But it, even if that's what it takes, with the employees saying, fuck you, and we're going to tell customers what you're doing, they're always going to not want to look bad. And so they did get that fixed. But every like six months, something corrupt continues to happen with Instacart. Right. I mean, this is like, you know, and to like smooth it all over, like Amazon making a nice shiny commercial that like everybody's yeah. safe and happy, you know, oh, please like Trump and his propaganda video early, earlier this week. It's like, wow, <laughs> everybody. Sure. Just rewrite history. Um, <laughs> I have a friend who is a grocery store manager and is doing great jobs, right? You know, great, great job right now. And obviously always has, but like now obviously stakes are raised, but he like openly complained about Instacart shoppers um, on social media this week. And I was like, look, I see your frustration but we're talking about they're hiring tons of new people. People are desperate and out of work. And you have people who, yeah, they can't navigate a grocery store. And it seemed like what he was saying was like, they, they asked so many questions about where things are. And I'm just like, just pump the brakes. <laughs> Give everybody a couple weeks to get acclimated to this new job. They'll know where things are and then go from there. And I just think we all have to be on the same team, you know? Um. I'm sorry. I just, I just think we've got to be eyes in the sky right now, keeping it, you know, eyes open on you, Instacart. I'm going to, with my tiny following, I'm going to keep calling you out. I'm going to keep taking you yeah. to task, holding you accountable. Totally. And this is, you know, and I'm not, and the people who are getting hired by Instacart, I'm not saying, I mean, but they're just, they're fucking desperate, you know? Yes. Well, that's, that's where big businesses like that, that is, I mean, that that's how cults work out so well and also big business is like fantastic people who haven't researched us and they're just looking for a quick gig what a great way to take advantage of people it's it's the the allure of these things is um you you can work whenever you want yes if, if you're like sitting there you know uh we did an episode on on e-scooters because you know we because you can charge e-scooters for money and, um, you know, we're, we're interested in like, not just well, we want to get rich, but it's also like we explore on our show. Like, let's say I just want to make $50 today and I don't have yes. a job. How can I do it? And so I think a lot of these gig economy things take advantage of these people in these situations. Like, like, um, you know, this, these bird scooters, there's no, it, it's like Megabus. There's no place to go. There's no building. It's just one guy who designed an app and then, you know, invested in a, a million scooters. And then, uh, and then everybody like there was inside of this, it's, it's like this weird, almost like a, a like a, a, a drug organization where there's one person at the top and there's all these people working under him all through apps. Nobody's got insurance. You know, no, there's no one to talk to if you have a problem. It's just, there's no place to go if you have a problem. Um, and it is crazy that, uh, and you have to just deal with it. 
because you're just like, well, if you don't want to do this, then you don't have to do this because there's a thousand other people that are willing to do it. And yeah, these like, they're all taking advantage of this situation. Um, I don't know what the solution is because I think there will always be hopefully jobs if you do need money in a pinch. And I don't see them ever not taking advantage of those people. Right. But, but I think that is like, it's a segue into what we're looking at today is like the, the ability and probably coming out of this pandemic, unifying as gig workers and, and um, unionizing. Yeah. Because just, yeah. Like the future of the industry, like it really what is. will have like, to change. It's become really clear that now the jobs that everyone thinks it's okay to underpay, not tip you on without, you know, even when, even though they know you make less than $3 an hour on the clock or whatever, yeah. that um, <laughs> we are now these weird, uh, we didn't volunteer to be frontline workers or deemed necessary or essential the way restaurants are like, yeah, people need to get their food. Grocery stores need to stay open. And so not, all of a sudden we are like the gold standard of, you know, frontline people like fighting this pandemic and so it's like after everything people have been put through it's like no we're not going to come back out of this uh to have a bunch of karens come into the restaurant and be happy that they can get their margs and whatever and under tip you again and be shitty and so or to have your bosses or to have bad restaurant owners take advantage um because i i don't know i think we are looking into how we can come out of this more empowered and completely demand a revolution in this industry. You know, Uber drivers, gig workers, restaurant workers, everybody. Totally. You know, we're, we're going to touch on unions and then we're going to touch on one fair wage. Brooke did unions. I'm doing the one fair wage movement. You know, I, I thought was thinking about this last night when I was doing research that like even discussing what restaurants are going to look like moving forward in the future, there's going to be half the tables. Yep. Well, probably that means there's going to be half the staff. That means there's going to be half the fucking tips, half the income. So, you know, and, and are people even going to go into restaurants? Is this now going to be a taboo thing that people are actually going in? People have lost money in the economy. Are they going to be tipping accordingly? You're talking about this whole like stack of reasons why like a two thirteen an hour wage for a server is so fucked. Relying on tips is so fucked up mm. looking forward into the future. People need to be paid a basic minimum wage and then tip on top of that. You know, and that's that's pretty much what unions will help to solidify and this one the one fair wage movement, which we'll talk about. But that's just where my brain went. And it was like, this is so fucked. Can you guys even imagine having to go back as a server, knowing you're gonna make two thirteen an hour, not knowing if anybody's gonna come into the restaurant. And also, I feel like this is also that time where people start going, well, we got to tighten the belt, you know, and so they, they are sitting there because people don't get that tips are factored into the price of everything. They don't get that the, you know, menu items are cheaper and, you know, it's all because there's an expectation that you're going to pay the, the wage of the server. And uh, I think this is when people are like, you know, I think I remembered because I think I, I was I was still waiting tables in, in, in you know, 2008 and a few years after that. And, you know, listening to people be like, I just can't tip. People were not leaving tips because they felt they weren't financially doing great right now. So they needed every dollar, like a dollar is going to matter to them when it does matter to the waiters. And I could see a lot of that happening right now. So you've less people, less waiters, and you get those people that... Um, 
that, that tip less because they feel that they need the money. And it kills me, you know, I, I don't know. I've, I've tried not to like let politics, I've tried to be like, listen, I disagree with people, but we can still be on a level. Like we can, I can still be friends with people. I can still like talk to people. We can disagree, but we, we need to live together. And I just kind of, this, these past couple of weeks, I've been so furious at, yeah. at the people on the right that are supposed to be like the compassion people. You know, they're, you know, they, they wear their, you know, they, all these protests and, and the people have like bringing, you know, the Christianity into it and being, you know, and, and, and it's like, well, how are you, this is the complete opposite of compassion. It reminds me of like, I got a tip one time and the tip was just, uh, it was like John 13, 18 note. And it said the real tip is to invest in God or something like that. Right. Was it the kind that is like, it makes you think that it's money, like a hundred dollar bill. And then it's like a, yeah. Yep. And I gave it to my landlord. He did not accept it. He did not accept Jesus <laughs> for payment of rent that month. And it's infuriating because you're supposed to be the compassionate people. And like, I don't know what is so compassionate about like not tipping, you know, yeah, or any. And I won't, I won't go totally off my rocker, but right. It's, it's, here's the thing is like all three of us and so many people we know who don't actively have a religion or, you know, I'm like, Hey, do your thing. Great. But like empathy is a scientific, uh, you know, emotion that develops in your brain. And if you want to keep developing it and tap into it, it's not something that's given to you because you go to church and it's hilarious that Christians or people, you know, in different religions tout all of this very holier than thou. And yet none of them can tap into their empathy, right? They can't Mm -hmm. seem to find it. It's all judgment. It's all fear. And I'm sitting here going like, and meanwhile, the rest of us who don't subscribe to that do the heavy lifting, have empathy, help others. And there's no reward for us because I don't believe in, I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do. Right. I know I'm going to hell, but I'm still going to help people. <laughs> but I, but I should have tipped the shit out of that server. Exactly. Um, you know, so I was, I was looking at footage, um, just about one fair wage. AOC is a huge advocate, right? So she, we all know she bartended up until she got elected. Right. You know, so she's so concerned about friends that she still has. I mean, her apron is basically still warm at this point, I will say, you know, there's still life in it. There's still spaghetti sauce on her uh, name. Yeah, (laughs) there's definitely still, but like, so she's a big advocate of getting a living wage, one fair wage. She tells this story um, when she was, everybody was meeting, trying to get like the stimulus package agreed to, the unemployment boost agreed to, um, the 600 a week. And Lindsey fucking Graham, of course, was the one who was like, wait a second. So what if they get the 600 a week in addition, and that's more money than they made to begin with? There's something (laughs) wrong with that. And she's like, yeah, there is fucking something wrong with that, which means we don't pay people a living fucking wage in this country Mm -hmm. for that to be more, you know? So that's, that's what we're dealing with. And that, that he's a religious man, you know? Yeah. And, and right, the, the fear, because they're instantly, they think 
the Republicans, because they're racist as fuck, I'm surprised they, well, I'm sure they have, but they're like, we're just going to turn this entire economy into a bunch of welfare queens, which is what they love to paint the black community as. And now they're like, oh, now they're not going to want to go back to work. And it's like, yeah, people want their jobs back. Yeah, people have, uh, you know, now that we've been quarantined, everyone is like, uh, yes, I, give me a job. Like people get bored not doing stuff. They've, they've, they've shown that people don't like not working. They like to have a purpose. They like to do something. Yeah. Um, I keep laughing this week. I I've been laughing cause it's all you can do uh, at terrible things. And the idea of like, what if, what if one of these guys went back? Do you think, like, do you think when Jesus was on the mound and he was just like, we need to help the poor and the sick and the hungry. Someone's like, how are you going to pay for it? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they go, you know, we got to pull out all resources with what money and just like grilled Jesus on how he was going to pay for all of his like pie in the sky economic ideas to help everybody in Nazareth. Yeah, he's like, and then he's like, well, I did turn that water into wine. And then everybody, yeah. you know, like, oh, that's and all you do it. More wine, you know. <laughs> turn the bread into money. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's they like the idea of like being kind, but when it comes down to like the legislation behind it, they're just kind of like, well, I mean, I'm. It's a very. I just feel like this country is like, you know, very. It's every man for themselves. You know, whether it's like from the legislation happening, you know, in in an AOC, you know, Graham debate, or if it's the fact that all the toilet paper disappeared. You know, it's just like the only reason we ran out of toilet paper is because people were afraid they were going to run out of toilet paper. That's the only reason it happened. Um, and yeah, it's uh, people don't care about the the waiters because like it's not the AOC was like the first person to have like for the waiters to have a voice, you know, uh, up in the because uh, we have not passed the mandatory wait wait tables for a year law in this country right. that we should. Um, but yeah, it's, there's no, <laughs> no one has the, it was I'm ready for it. He has that voice out there, you know, to be honest, uh, Andrea and I looking into unions and then also, um, what she's going to talk about with one fair wage, you know, a lot of people, because it's not, um, the gold standard at all for restaurant and hospitality workers to unionize, although it does exist. Um, but so some of, our listeners might be like, all right, what is a union just in general? I'm just a gig worker, so what is it? Okay, so a labor union or trade union is an organized group of workers who basically unite to make decisions about conditions affecting their work. So the whole thing is labor unions strive to bring economic justice to the workplace and social justice to our nation, you know, which sounds lovely. And it has worked and it's been more applied to teachers, automotive, construction, all of these popped up at the um, basically turn of the turn of the century, and it was a really powerful way for um, a lot of these workers to get the protections they needed. Then, of course, like any good thing um, in America, turning really American, like unions got very, very villainized because of you know we've all like there's an entire season of the wire about crooked union leaders you know what i'm saying like union bosses became like the mafia like it just the irish which if you haven't the seen irish. the wire now is the time to watch it is what i will say now you have the time <laughs> um so right so it's like it's uh, it's good in theory and of course 
it's only as good as, you know, as your leader and if they're honest or whatever. So, you know, they, they got a bad reputation and corporations and businesses hate them because of how it got really sort of maligned and twisted because, you know, when you are protected as a union, cause like they do have incredible power when they're really effective and they can do shit. Like I'm not lifting one more finger, you know, basically after 5 PM, forget it, we're done. But you could do things like, um, go to work and not work and a union protects you. And so that's the kind of shit that earned them a really bad reputation, which is called gold bricking, um, which apparently gold bricking is also now a term for a lot of online um, sort of social media type jobs for people who are showing up to work and fully online doing another job while at work. So those are gold brickers too. We know, we, I can name a few gold brickers that I've wait, worked so wait, wait, Explain what gold bricking is exactly. So gold bricking is one of, is a term that's used for um, why unions are so bad. It's basically uh, you low, you goof around on the job. Um, yeah. Like you go really slow. You take okay. twice the amount of time to do the job. Cause if you're in a union, you're going to get paid and protected no matter what. Um, so you know, you know, there is a, you know, uh, unions, uh, you know, I'm in, I'm in a union, I'm in the Writers Guild, and right. it's important, uh, it's important um, to fight for all these rights for writers and stuff. I see the benefits of it. I've also, I, when I was producing Mashup on Comedy Central, there was like a day where, you know, like we wanted to like, we kind of were running out of money, and that's a whole different issue, but because uh, it's like we're <laughs> Viacom is, you know, we should have all the money in the world, but that's just not how it works. You know, and so you're like, if we wanted to like shoot this other sketch and, uh, or, you know, or hire, if we wanted to hire somebody else, we couldn't because we didn't have enough money because we had to hire <laughs> three guys who had, uh, were part of this like union and we're like, we had to hire them. Like one guy drives, there was a camp transferring the camera required like three guys, you know, and I well, get it felt yeah. like it was uh, this, I was like, you guys are for like the million dollar movies and don't take advantage of. It's like, but you're like, uh, when we can't give another person work because of the situation you have, it feels like this isn't exactly, they, we'd hire them, they'd come in. I feel like we, we couldn't legally take the camera across the street. And so we had to hire three guys who had to like, uh, I, I think they almost had to like start yeah and then turn the car off and that was technically driving well right um, and that's that why yeah. you shouldn't mix like you can't mix union and non-union but it happens all the time in this town but mm -hmm. in terms of you know servers um I, which is crazy like to me this idea that um it, it makes the most sense to unionize yes. the servers because we can't lay around like we, or we can't like stand around and not do our job the nature of the job is if we're still, you know, making a livable wage and we want our tips, we still have to run around. We can't stand there and be like, not bringing you your food. I mean, it's a right. very, it's a hilarious notion to think about for sure. I mean, it's <laughs> okay. So I love Teamster, Teamster waiters is pretty hilarious. Just like, just a group of 10 of them just sitting around, not doing anything. And like, well, we got to have 20. Yep. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, we still haven't been helped yet. We've been sitting here for 20 minutes. Yeah. Union rights. I don't, I don't have to. 
<laughs> well, and also too, if you're like in a tip pool situation, you know, you don't want those other 10 people on. You're like, go home. You, you, you want to get cut down to one person when you're in that like three to four shift or, you know, that in-between meal shift. Um, but I don't know how you, how, I don't know. How so you- here's the deal. I mean, this, this might be really interesting to you. Um, basically in Las Vegas, which is hospitality center, because it's all meant you, you go to Las Vegas to be pampered, fed, get fucked up, you know, the whole thing. So in, in Vegas, um, they are 60,000 members deep in unionized workers in food service and hospitality. Um, basically they realized we are the number one type of employment that makes Sin City work, you know? And so it's this huge coalition, bartenders, bussers, servers, dishwashers, cooks, chefs, concierges, like hotel maids. And their union is on fire. It is so strong. Um, Obviously you pay your quarterly dues. And why this is so important is, what they're doing is giving themselves job security, right? Because what you do has no protection, right? If you get kicked off the job. So not only does a union in this situation in Nevada give you job security. So say you're in a pandemic and you couldn't go to work. A lot of these people are probably getting back pay because they're unionized right now, even though they can't go to their jobs. So they also have healthcare across the board. They have livable wages. They have pensions. Um, And like I said, the income equality, uh, basically you don't have to have face um, wage stagnation, which it's funny. We've seen the minimum wage in some situations like go up and then go down again, which is not cool, but they can have paid sick leave. And also with this union in Nevada, um, they offer free classes in education. So someone who is a busser can take these courses to learn the skills of being a waiter and go from like a $30,000 a year job to $60,000 a year in Vegas. Then he could also take a bartending course and bump up to a tier of then maybe, you know, at one of these high rolling places getting a hundred thousand dollar jobs. So it's phenomenal. And since 2017, small like third wave coffee shops, uh, like independent burger joints, a lot of these different smaller restaurants and, um, labor forces in the food and, and hospitality industry have been unionizing since about 2017. And the cool thing is 76% of the new members who are joining are under the age of 35. So wow. we are seeing a whole new revolution of people going like, wait, this is something we can do. Like, let's try again. Maybe the old generations fucked it up by getting really crooked, but this is something that could really, really, you know, and cause also now we have social media on our side so we can demand things in a way that you couldn't, you know, you can organize so quickly on social media now. Um, I think what's interesting is that like, and it's not just like unions being crooked. I think that that's a, that's a, that's a painted, that's like, that's like a fucking Scorsese like film. You know what I mean? Not right. all unions are, <laughs> are painted to, to be like corrupt. Right. A lot of the corp, the, cor- the corruption comes from big business, um, and politics. Well, yes, I mean, of course. Reagan like smashed unions when he was in office, mm-hmm. like he eliminated a lot. He got like, I'm pretty, he got like the audio industry to be on his side. And then he completely pulled the rug out from under them and smashed their unions. So it, it really is a true 
the power is in the people movement. You know, it really is. And listen to this shit. Okay. So the union in in Vegas is so strong that the laws they've put in place to, um, you know, protect service industry workers, it extends outside of the union to just anyone in Nevada who does this. They get the rights across the board without even being union members because that's how much they change the culture. Now, do they eventually join and be like, this is probably good for me to join and I will pay some dues? Great, but if you don't want to, you get all the rights that the union created without being part of it. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, which I was like, what the fuck? You know, and I think what's cool too is politicians now are recognizing that they need to go visit these unions while they're on the campaign trail. They know it's, it's like, this could be the future of how we get gig workers and unskilled labor people protected. This is definitely a push toward um, the democratic, you know, way of doing things. Maybe it pushes us more toward, you know, the Bernie Sanders version of what he was hoping for, you know, and just in general, like maybe all of like a, like a thundercat of all the democratic candidates kind of come together with all their ideas to coalesce behind Joe Biden or whatever. But this, this union and unionizing with, um, gig work is absolutely catches the eyes of politicians. And when you do that, they will start to work on, you know, legislation in our favor. So it's like, if we do it and put the optics on it, it can get pushed through. I do. I do keep picturing, um, a a restaurant union meeting and it takes place at a dumpster behind the building. Uh, (laughs) It's a giant circle. Everyone's smoking. Mm -hmm. Mismatched, mismatched old beaten up restaurant furniture. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah. And then somebody comes in right when it's over being like, and then (laughs) the manager goes, I'll talk to you afterwards. Yeah. Like the, the, the person in charge, like someone comes out and they're like, Hey, Chuck, I just double sat you. <laughs> That'd be the first order of business. No double seating. Um, well, what- I love those rules of the union. No double seating. Um, yeah, rotate better. Uh, they don't have to be friends with the hostess to get the good, the, 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 the large parties. This solves so many issues that are constant, constant politics in the restaurant yeah. industry. Like, like, if you fuck the bartender, you, you don't get to stay, you know, like it's just, we mean it. We mean it this time. Stop fucking the bartender. Unless you want to, you know what I mean? Like now you can just fuck the bartender if you want to, or don't want to like, um, but I, I think Andrea basically said it at the top of this is like, you know, we're in a pandemic. So now what, like this, nothing is going to return to normal specifically with the restaurant industry. So we will have the time and we can learn how to do this and we have to. And it's almost like when the economy maybe is fully up and running again, which could be a year and a half to two years because we're facing potentially having to shelter in place periodically, which means bye-bye again, restaurant. So when it is like all systems go, we better be ready to be like, and there's a new way we're doing this. Yeah. FYI, you want your restaurant, you, you meet us and, and you agree to our terms. And there is power when you do that and get together. So, I mean, we've got, we've got time to get smart and organized right now. Absolutely. You think it'll happen in uh, 
all in every because you know Vegas is such a specific situation right but so and we're going to talk to him later but one of our listeners um who is a waiter and bartender in Nashville they just started it Nashville uh, local union 138 they're scrambling they don't know what the fuck they're doing it but they're doing it so they're unionizing in Nashville right now I, as we speak I you know I from St. Louis Anheuser-Busch is a big mm-hmm. union you know I would I would hear about all the uh benefits that they got from their from their union it was pretty pretty insane that they they took care of everybody so well, and then you know the story from was it the Oregon brewery that uh, that had the uh, I didn't know I I didn't know I I didn't know you could have a union just for your your specific place of employment. Yes, yes I always thought can. it was like an industry wide thing, but you know I didn't know that if like I work at like a if I work at uh, oh I can't think of it what's the <laughs> what's the country bar with the I don't, I don't know. Toby Keith's. Uh, oh, I don't know. Guard. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with like a guitars uh, and Cadillacs situation. What's that? <laughs> guitars and Cadillacs, like that kind so, of. A... Well, like you're saying, you're saying like you can reunion in your restaurant. I guess you can. You you can try and unionize franchise, but it's tough because technically the owner of that franchise is leasing from someone. Oh, sorry, is leasing from someone above. So that's a little tougher but i'm just saying the people who can unionize and demand things like one fair wage movement it it helps the people who they might love their um chili's job or whatever but don't have the same power and mobility but then us doing our version of it can help get across the board rights for people who have the chain restaurant jobs and fast food workers you know it would include them too counter workers fast food workers so I was a little confused on what the NRA was. Oh, there's two NRAs. So <laughs> the, the National Restaurant the Association. National Restaurant Association. Are they anti-union? Yes. They are. Yes. So they're they're worse. The NRA is worse than the NRA. <laughs> well, I, yeah, they could be equally bad. And this could this. I think we should jump into one fair wage now that we've like sure. really covered unions. Um, so one fair wage, if you guys don't know out there um, that it's it's a nonprofit uh, organization that's advancing policy, driving industry change and shifting the narrative to, in order to ensure that all workers in America are paid at least full minimum wage for their by their employers. So the most powerful force driving sub-minimum wages in the United States is the National Restaurant Association or the other NRA, which they call it, um, which has lobbied for decades. Pick a new name. Yeah, right. Truly. Totally. So so the NRA has lobbied for decades to keep the federal sub-minimum wage for tipped workers to a paltry $2.13 an hour. And just to give an idea, this this number, this two thirteen an hour, hasn't changed since nineteen ninety one. Okay, yeah. so yeah, the other NRA's lobbying has resulted in tipped workers in forty three states receiving the sub minimum wage. Uh, workers don't only include restaurant workers, you know, which in that includes servers, busters, hosters, bartenders, but also workers in nail salons, hair salons, car washes, airports, parking lots. Um, and now app-based companies, like we were talking about, so Instacart, DoorDash, Uber, Lyft, all that shit, they're pushing these sub-minimum wages for their employees and argue that their customer tip should count toward the, their payment, their income, um, which is bullshit. And then also sub-minimum wages are also paid to workers with disabilities 
incarcerated workers, teen workers in most states. Um, so what One Fair Wage is doing is calling for a no worker left behind, ensuring that every person who works should be paid at least full or fair minimum wage by their employers. So that's what this comes, that's what this organization is doing. Yeah. And, and I was looking up that, you know, that this is right now as a nonprofit, people we know, people who we are fans of, um, whether they are celebrity and can really get the word out. Like, you know, I was seeing like Chelsea Handler uh, donated to One Fair Wage and put it on her social media. That yeah, Jane Fonda, to- Jane Fonda is a huge mm-hmm. advocate. And like last podcast on the left, they donate a lot of proceeds to One Fair Wage. And I'm looking on the One Fair Wage Instagram account and people like servers who are out of work right now who applied for assistance through One Fair Wage are receiving checks for $213. Yep, absolutely. Which is like such a powerful number, right? Um, um, so yeah, so this is the One Fair Wage emergency fund that they have started. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, they're providing, they're providing cash assistance to workers, like all the workers that we basically just talked about. And the funds are doled out as the money comes in. Right. So it is donation-based. So like everybody spread the word, you know? Um, and not only that is that when people are applying and receiving, they get the information and you can volunteer to call and like, make sure that person's okay. So all these people who are like loss of income are getting phone calls from one fair wage to like, make sure they're doing okay. Um, and I think it's like really notable too, that you said like, cause I wasn't as aware that the NRA is like super anti-union, of course, why not national restaurant association. And so the White house announced last week, last Saturday, um, that they're, that they're creating an economic revival industry group. Um, and basically for restaurants, oh God, it's so bad. They basically put together like super villains. It's all corporate chain, heads of corporate chains, and then like executive chefs who all have like you know, their own brands of salad dressing. Like they're basically like capitalist monsters. And so it's like, we don't, we don't want this. We don't want these horses asses in charge in a Trump economy dictating how our job is going to come back. Like this is, this is bad. And so that's why we have to, I think already start, you know, looking, how can we push back against the NRA and this weird new council for the food and beverage industry created by Trump's fucking you know team which is like no 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 like absolutely not you know uh i like i like i liked warren i liked uh, bernie you know i like a lot of the, i like i like a lot of their ideas i understand all the issues with everything uh i think uh you know one thing i thought one thing bernie did that i thought was great over the past decade was have uh there's a lot of conversations about wage gap that i never heard happening you know before he came along you know and uh and i feel like maybe he wasn't the right person to you know make these changes but hopefully he uh, helped get these conversations Mm -hmm. in the mainstream and so somebody will come along but it's such a uh, a bummer that it feels like a lot of the it feels like that movement is sort of uh, kind of the water got thrown out of that fire a little bit. And now I feel like with um, the situation right now, you know, there is this feeling of like, oh, maybe we can like, like close this gap. I, I have a fear that uh, this coronavirus thing is going to exasperate the wage gap 
even so it's even worse than it was before because uh the you know waiters and, and people that like make the least amount of money are the ones that can't afford this stuff you know like yeah. people that are sitting good that can like take a month off of work or whatever are gonna be fine it's just gonna i feel like this is gonna make everything way worse um and uh yeah i i don't i don't know what this i, I mean here, here's I, it. I hear i hear that fear and it's it's very real but i think one of the biggest realizations and things in my life that's happened over the past three or four years is like we we've been had the wool pulled over our eyes for so many decades at this point that we as people don't have power to implement change we've been we've been scared off of politics because it's just like like a creepy screaming old white dude talking head you know arena where we're like no thanks you know and the thing is like i'm you know I don't want to fall into that. We're fucked. Like I, we are looking at ways to revolutionize and just because the face of the potential nominee for the democratic, democratic ticket didn't step up. Like his ideas live through us who felt excited about it. And we have to, I mean, look at this, look at the names of the people that Trump put on this restaurant. (laughs) This is insane. His new council. So it's, mcdonald's ceo of course because trump fucking loves mcdonald's um it's the coca-cola coca-cola ceo the pepsi ceo the chick-fil-a ceo subway ceo like these are the people who are gonna be helping us get our restaurant job what no right i mean these are all people who have like deep pockets in dc and have the lobbyists to like make sure this happens so So let's i like getting activated i'm like unions now motherfucker yeah and here's like you know even some more facts to to get people motivated to like push for change so the restaurant industry includes seven of the 10 lowest paying jobs in the country in fact people who work in the industry are twice as likely to need food stamps than the rest of the u.s workforce and at least three times likely to live in poverty so that's a fun fact um 70 of tipped workers are women and since a living base wage is not guaranteed and women are instead forced to depend on tips, they frequently have to put up with sexual harassment from customers, coworkers, and management. Um, so basically, like, you're five times as likely, uh, there, you have five times the greater risk of being sexually harassed, like being a woman in the service industry or in a tipped industry. So we've, and, like- Andrew, we've talked about that. I, I don't know if you wanted to you know I, maybe that's a whole nother episode yeah but where do you where are you on that right now because there are there are people trying to get rid of tips because of what you just said right and i know you and i have talked about that you know that's why i wanted to have you on this episode because in the we've talked about eliminating tips altogether. so california and minnesota have their shit together in fact that they're they're already practicing one fair wage where you get a minimum and then you're tipped on top of it do I think that the stigma of sexually harassing a server, a female server, is going to vanish because people know that they're getting like not no tips anymore? I don't think that at all. I it's, think that people still see things how they are. And it's like, oh, you got me your beer, you smile, you got me my beer, you smiled at me, so now I can I can sexually harass you and tell you tell you I want to fuck you. That's always going to happen. Because because the pecking order is still there. While you mm-hmm. are someone who plays basically plays fetch for a living you just are not respected even if you're not doing it for a tip anymore totally so the the and this is what you said is true uh the arguments uh 
and I can't remember who, I think we had somebody on real time that and this was their sort of thing. They said, uh, it, you know, I don't know, I don't know if they were arguing so much that it would stop it from happening, but it would stop, it would stop people from putting up with it. Uh, because people are inclined to put up with it if there is a tip involved and they're not going to put up with it if there's no tip involved. I mean, for me personally, I feel like um, I, I would want, I always hate when how other people handle things dictate my life, you know, I would personally want tips to continue. Um, but uh, I don't know. I'm also a man. I'm also, I don't deal with the harassment. Um, I don't, uh, but I also feel like other women would not want those tips taken away just because. Um, right. And, and I think it's, and yes, it is a women's issue, especially when it comes to sexual harassment, but you can't tell me that someone's treated you like shit when you've waited tables before because but I don't put up with it. <laughs> right. But I usually know, get fired for right. how I handle it. But not a lot of yeah. people can afford to do that, unfortunately. You know what I mean? I, I, I go out and give their the back to the parking lot and then I get fired for it. One of the um things about learning about the the union in Vegas that I learned that was amazing is there is a woman who specifically fought to eliminate high heels and cocktail yes. servers on the floors. Women who, who walk in super high heels for eight fucking hours. Right. That shit's gone now. What did they figure out that she, they were, they they walked 12 miles and carried like how many five pounds? Five to 15 pounds mm-hmm. while you're just crushing your knees, crippling your feet. Um, Can you imagine I, just, I, I did want to add that, you know, when you said like the, that it's a women's issue, you know, I'm like, well, let's back it up. It's actually a man's issue because how about you stop treating women like fucking garbage? I mean, I know we're, really far away from that still but you know i think the culture in restaurants just in general we have we have an opportunity to even change it within our restaurant top down to to have owners and managers who won't put up with it who will fucking yank you and throw you like if we empower everybody to not be really scared that someone's going to dangle a 20 in front of you and take it away because you didn't kiss them or let them touch your ass or some weird shit like that entire culture just needs to be done away with i know that's another yeah and they're talking big this is like layers upon layers upon layers you know but i think first and foremost wages Mm -hmm. health insurance like job security actually making money is where we need to start so let's um so how can people you know how can you as a listener like if you're you start petitioning you can go to one fair wage you can sign the position petition you can see if there is an active group in your city in your state um if there isn't it is hard work to get these things started but email your lobbyists, email your, you know, email like your senators and your congressmen and let them know that you want change. Let them know you want change. And if the change isn't there already that you can join, don't be afraid. Don't think that this is something that um, little you can't do. That's that's the beauty of unions is people, especially in Las Vegas, were former like, you know, barbacks and servers who are now these you know, 20 years later, these really influential and powerful union leaders um, who've implemented so much amazing change. Also, I'm, I kind of want to dig into it and maybe see if it's worth an episode, but um, the you want to do the Jimmy Hoffa episode? Finally, (laughs) No, but employees at the frontier uh, hotel and casino in the early nineties, 
because that is the one hotel that wouldn't unionize and give them fair and living wages. Um, they walked off and they striked for six and a half years until it's the craziest story until basically the company folded, sold, sold the casino and basically they wrangled the new owner into agreeing with unionizing them, paying them the wage, but they fucking fought for six and a half years. It's the craziest thing. This is the um, one where they really had a lot a picket line outside for six years that people couldn't go through and stuff. Seven, seven days a week, 24 like hours. Wow. wow. Yeah, dude. Um, That's when you I mean, like, I, hey, can you cover my picket shift? Can you, can you, can you, can you exactly. cover? <laughs> but um, I was even looking here in Los Angeles. I'm like, okay, there are unions popping up in LA when I'm doing Google Maps. Um, I was like, there are three, at least three over this way. So it's absolutely, what we're going to do is not just talk the talk. Cause I think when we get together for another episode, we're going to talk all the way through how they're starting the one in Nashville. Cause I think that'll be really valuable to hear from the ground up what they're doing and the progress and that we can maybe hopefully provide a playbook for everybody. Um, to see if they can do that locally where they are, you know. Well, you know, Nashville is the bachelorette capital of the world. So uh, if anybody needs to unionize uh, <laughs> and, and have solidarity against what they have to deal with every night, I think. <laughs> like an anti-sash clause. <laughs> I'm going to have tables uh, make me drink out of penis straws for a goof. Uh, I need need my rights protected yeah for sure i know for sure if someone if like someone's gonna like get throw glitter on a bride and that glitter gets in my eye and then i get an infection i want to know for a fact that i'll have fair workman comp off the job pay and health insurance backing me to fucking fix it <laughs> that's that's such a common workplace injury the old glitter eye the old glitter eye <laughs> <laughs> I want to say I completely empathize with the feeling of, you know, like, I, I don't care what it is. I just want to get back to work. I feel like we've been given a gift and a moment to pause and think harder about how we go back to these jobs because like, also don't fool yourself. They're going to be weird. It's not going to be the same. Everyone just like, until we are fully replaced by robots, the world needs us. The world wants us. They miss us. It's so abundantly clear. Everyone on Instagram, social media, they're like, I miss going out to restaurants, whether or not they're a good customer. It's like the biggest complaint and thing that people miss so much is going out in public. And so like your job has been deemed incredibly valuable while it's been taken away. And so just, just absolutely hang on on to the notion that you have an in-demand skill, motherfuckers better wake up and realize that it's time to treat servers better. Anyone Absolutely. in the service industry. And like, I, I couldn't have said it better, Brooke. And I think it's like, yeah, just know that you fucking matter and you're a part of the economy. You're a part of the big turning economy wheel. It is the people that make the economy, not fucking Lindsey Graham. Stock market. Yeah. Motherfucker. Um, but yeah, you know, we'll, we'll be posting obviously uh, via Instagram uh, information on how you guys can get active. We'll follow up on union talk and how things are being organized. But yeah, I mean, good. I, I, good, good episode. We're a political, we're a political uh, satire show. Now. It's too bad that waiters can't, you know, cause like 
comedians right now can kind of do zoom and then you can kind of tip comedians and stuff but mm -hmm. you can't really be like you can't really zoom a waiter experience i can't just eat food as like you know debbie checks on my <laughs> you could you need anything else can i help it <laughs> they actually they should do that they should have a zoom where you can talk to a charming waiter and uh and they can like check in on you and, and see how you're doing and ask all, all those bags would you, would you buy me no 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 just donate money to these yeah, different true. organizations we don't need to jump through any more fucking hoops. So true. i don't need someone to be like are you smiling at me you look like you should smile you should smile more here's you know absolutely just send money to these people who've been putting up with your shit for years I always get uh, told to smile less. What is that? <laughs> sir, you you're, you're scaring the children, sir. Please stop. Our, our children are so scared right now. Please stop smiling. We'll just have to get you a face mask with a frown on it, Nick. <laughs> it's the only ones they had left. Turn that mask upside down. Oh, my God. <laughs> you your <laughs> hey guys, definitely check out Get Rich Nick podcast um, because also they have really great ideas if there are things you're able to do at the moment and you do need to just squeak by and get a quick 50 bucks here and there. Um, they've got a lot of fun and ridiculous ideas. Just be safe, okay? They don't always have the greatest advice. No. All right. Well, Nick, thank you so much for joining us. All right. Well, I uh, wish everybody the best. I hope everybody... Uh, makes money we'll, we'll figure it out or at least is getting their um you know stimulus checks what what have you i hope those are coming through i did unemployment kicked in this week i i know for a fact because i received it so Yay. hooray mine, for that mine didn't have donald trump's name on it so i sent it back <laughs> <laughs> i'm sending all my mail back now that it doesn't have his name on it you know what i mean um all right guys well we will we'll talk to you next week thanks for listening and you know uh how we sign off every episode brooke yes godspeed and good Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.